Hello, this is Leela Viss, and welcome to Key Ideas. Piano teaching doesn't come bundled with ready-made solutions. This podcast highlights some brilliant options for innovative piano teachers just like you. Today, I welcome Dr. Leslie McAllister. On her website, she claims these titles, pianist, pedagogue, writer, scholar, yogi, Left out are titles of award-winning professor, award-winning author, wife, mom, resident faculty at a Baylor freshman women's dorm, and passionate innovator. In her writing and in her life, Dr. Leslie McAllister brilliantly exemplifies and communicates the importance of connecting music and yoga. If you've ever wondered why yoga, or how can yoga really benefit me as a musician or as a teacher, you will wonder no more after listening to our conversation. It would take hours for me to gush over her book, Yoga in the Music Studio, her website, and the clever Music for Children yoga decks that I can't wait to use in my studio. But I'd rather get to our interview. Before we get started, here's more about Leslie's truly remarkable career. Author of two books on musician wellness, Dr. Leslie McAllister is a pianist, yoga instructor, and advocate for using yoga, sports psychology research, and mind and body relaxation techniques like imagery to assist musicians of all levels in attaining peak performance. As professor of piano at Baylor University, she directs the piano pedagogy program and teaches classes on performer wellness. Her book, The Balanced Musician, Integrating Mind and Body for Peak Performance, was the first textbook intended for musician wellness classes. Her newly released book from Oxford Press, Yoga in the Music Studio, describes how music teachers can use yoga with students at all ages and levels, including preschool students in early childhood music classes, adolescents who are beginning to experience performance anxiety, and seniors in recreational music making as well as college music majors and professional musicians. The book is filled with sequences and strategies to use immediately before performance and throughout one's life to reduce the impact of stress, anxiety, and fatigue, while enhancing performance ability and overall well-being. Dr. McAllister holds the Doctor of Musical Arts in Piano Performance and Pedagogy from the University of Oklahoma. She regularly coaches musicians and gives workshops on mind-body relaxation techniques, including imagery, meditation, mental rehearsal, and yoga for musicians. Here's Leela with Dr. Leslie McAllister. Hello, Leslie. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I am too. And it's because I have admired you from afar for a long, long time. <laughs> for, uh, I don't know, I would say it has to be over 10 years because I was attending my wow. first NCKP conference. And I remember you walked by and here was this tall, elegant, blonde woman who oh looks like she looked like maybe 21. And then I wow. looked at your name tag and you were, you were a professor at Baylor. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, Wow, how did she do all of this so quickly in a very short <laughs> lifetime? So that's oh how gosh. I remember seeing you the first time. And Aww. and so I've always admired you from afar. And then I've seen all your articles 
and award-winning articles, and you're a professor at Baylor, and you're head of a program, a prep program there, and you're a room, no, not a room mom, a dorm mom <laughs> now at Baylor, which yes, I can't uh -huh. wait to hear a little bit more about. And it's just been yes. such a fascinating career to follow. Oh, and thank you. So let's kind of get started by, I. here's my really big, profound question for you. How did you come to write an amazing book on yoga? Well, first of all, let me say thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. Yeah. How wonderful. And I likewise have been admiring you from afar and comes up with all the wonderful work that you've done with iPad apps and technology and creativity and studios. So this is just really such an honor to be here today. Well, so um, how did I write a book about yoga? Yeah. Well, I've been, <laughs> I've been doing or I've been practicing yoga yeah. for about 20 years. I started when I was in college at the University of Houston and didn't really know what it was. I just knew people had recommended it and kind of fell in love with it right away, but never really made that connection about how this might help me as a musician or how it might help alleviate anxiety for performers. So I had sort of an on and off relationship with yoga for several years. I continued to practice it and would go through periods of being really disciplined. When I was living in Oklahoma, I developed a strong Ashtanga practice and um, did attend an ashram. I attended a yoga retreat in Austin that was really wonderful at the end of my doctorate. But it's just been something I always had sort of as a hobby that I really enjoyed. And when I did my dissertation, I did the work, the research on mind-body relaxation techniques. And I particularly focused on imagery and relaxation techniques like deep breathing and progressive relaxation but since had written some articles about the benefits of yoga as a technique for mindful movement to help us to develop focus and mindfulness to prepare us to perform with less anxiety and um, more confidence and all of the body awareness that yoga brings. So I got really serious about my yoga practice about eight years ago. And that's when I was just going through a period I had had uh, my first son, I was an, an old mom to be having my my first son, I was 35. And so I had already gotten tenure and um, had, a, had a career. And so it was a really huge change in my life. And suddenly I found that it was just hard to maintain this perfectionism that mm -hmm. I had had. I had always wanted to just do everything perfectly. And I had lots of time to pursue all my um, ideas about research. And all of a sudden I felt that I had so much additional responsibility and I just never felt like I could do it well. So I found that I became just very stressed. I'd always had trouble with sleep. Mm. And um, I just decided I need to do something to change so that I can really be present for my son and continue to be present for my students and my family. And so I thought, I'm just going to really get very serious about yoga and, and practice every single day. And what I did is I just, my noon hour, my lunch hour, I went to a yoga class every day. And that was just something I put on my schedule as a priority. And, and I also developed a really strong prayer practice as well. And I had always, you know, gone to church and had a good relationship with, with God, but that consistent prayer practice, I felt helped me so much as well to let go of some of those perfectionistic tendencies. Mm -hmm. With that combination of prayer and yoga and some wonderful women in my life, it really made profound changes in my life and my ability to manage um, 
emotional disturbance, my ability to really stay present with the people around me, because I've always been a multitasker. And when you're a mom, you have to be a good multitasker. Mm -hmm. So I had to continue to hone that skill of being able to just focus on one thing at a time. I found it helped my anxiety. I never have problems sleeping anymore. It Mm. really helped with my insomnia. Um, And now I feel that I know how to bring this to my students as well, because I really feel like it also has very good, strong benefits for our ability to perform at our best, to perform optimally and to approach performance with a more focused and more confident mindset. So it's not just the physical part of yoga, which certainly helps with reducing tension, helping us to relax more easily, but it's also that combination, that mindful movement that really helps us to attain that that one centered uh, attention on what we're doing when we're making music. Wow. Well, number one, that confrontation of having a child and realizing that humbling experience of having that child, yes. it, it's confronting at first. Yes, like, wait a minute, I do not have the control I thought I did. <laughs> so it's right. interesting that you ended up turning to yoga. Hmm, I wish I would have done that years ago. You know, I think <laughs> for young moms, that's a really important thing to do. And as a musician yes. who we are always struggling for that perfection, um, right. And letting go of that. And that's what I, I read in your book, which we'll get to, is that that's one of the reasons why yoga is so good is letting go. I heard this yes. really good, mm, it's a really good quote, but it says, it focuses on letting it be versus letting go. And I really like oh, that. Oh, that's and, nice. And it's letting go is still action, whereas mm-hmm. letting it be just, it's there, you know? And, that's right. Uh-huh. Um, I I appreciate so many of the things that you're saying, because now in this time where we are trying to adjust to a new normal, which I don't even like that word, but it is, it's, you know, we will never be the same after we come out of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And now is the time for us to, what, be centered. I like that word. And I, in your book, you talk about oneness and wholeness and Mm -hmm. centered. Can you describe what that means? Yes, that is central, I think, to what we learn from yoga and what we can then bring into our teaching and into our music making. So I've kind of gone from this idea of balance more into this idea of interconnectivity. You know, I think a lot of us, we hear about the work-life balance Mm -hmm. and we feel like, you know, that's something that we want to attain. And I just, I think it's a myth. I don't think anyone can ever truly attain work-life balance. And so that's not really my goal anymore. Um, I love, I happen to be very privileged to love what I do and I want to be able to pursue kind of all the different areas of my life. But sometimes one area is going to be more important and require more time than another. So for me, wholeness is about being authentic in my interactions with people. Sometimes I make mistakes. Sometimes I slip and I get impatient and I need to be honest and be genuine and own up to that because then, you know, people know that they don't have to be perfect either. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also about knowing that my physical health, my emotional health, my my mental health are all tied up with one another. So if I'm not 
taking time to take care of my body. If I'm not, for me, it's yoga, but it's whatever kind of movement or exercise that you enjoy. If I'm not eating well, I'm not going to be sleeping well and sleep has a profound effect on our mental health as well. So all of those areas are interconnected. So I have to really pay attention to each of those areas equally. But um, I really try to integrate my work that I do as a professor with my research and with my parenting and with my teaching and try to find ways that these things overlap. And now mm. um, as the they call it a faculty in residence at Baylor, where I'm actually living with freshman women who are starting their first year at Baylor, I'm also seeing all that interconnectivity because there are so many issues with these young women with perfectionism and anxiety and feeling that they need to be doing 100% at all times. So I really try my best to find ways that my research can also work its way into my teaching and work its way into my parenting. Um, and all that, I think, goes back to this idea of wholeness and, and what is it, who is it that I want to be? Um, what do I want? How, in what ways do I want to serve my community? And um, sometimes that means that I'm going to be doing a lot of extra work away from my family, but I'm going to be able to bring those skills back to them. Mm-hmm. And it also means that I need to really place my own health as a priority too. So I need to take time for silence and for stillness, because if I don't, I'm not going to have the presence and the patience that I can bring to my students and to my family as well. We'll be right back. Hey listeners, it's Drew Collins, Leela's podcast producer with a brief break in the conversation to fill you in on what's new at Leela's site. Turns out that together, Leela and I are launching a digital course and curriculum to help you and your students play with a band. I've got a background playing guitar and singing with a band, while Leela has a background at the piano playing European dead guy pieces. Obviously, our musical upbringings don't match, and yet we've both discovered over the years how to jive and how to meet in the middle and play nicely with each other in a church worship band. Our course is called How to Play Piano in a Band, and it preps pianists, piano teachers, and their students with a lifetime of skills for playing in any kind of band. The course is designed to train ears, eyes, and hands, and is packed with heaps of video instruction, advice tips, and even lesson plans. Check out the show notes for a link to learn more about the course. Now, back to Leela and Leslie. On that topic of silence, uh, I was listening to another podcast and they were interviewing, and I'm not going to get this name right, so I won't say it, but the daughter of a very well-known yogi, And Uh um, she was talking about meditation and that meditation, and you talk about it a lot in your book, and I love what you say about it, but meditation is not just stilling the mind and saying, stop, because I think that has given me anxiety when I go to a yoga class, like, oh no, I got, you know, I have this and this and this to think about. And, you know, I I can't just not think about that. And and (laughs) basically what I've learned is that meditation is slowing down the thinking process. And that to me was a big relief. Like, I don't have to turn it off. I just have to let it, what, let it be, right? Instead of letting it go. 
Right. Yeah, that's a great point. So that all goes back to, you know, our monkey minds, Mm -hmm. this tendency that we have uh, as humans, you know, to be multitasking. I mentioned that earlier, but it's like our minds are just going from one thing to the next rapidly. And maybe even more so now with with social media and with this constant onslaught of the news. Um, So we have to really take time to practice the opposite of that to practice, like you said, slowing it down. And I think a lot of it has to do with just our our desire to control everything around Mm us. So, you know, this this planning, this effort that we take to try to organize everything is, is, you know, it has actually been beneficial for most of us in our lives because we need to be able to manage lots of different tasks simultaneously. We need to be able to think ahead and organize. But at the same time, if that prevents us from being able to develop that one-pointed focus, that can really affect our mental health and it can, can affect our interactions with other people as well. It was funny but you're right, meditation, yeah. it, it's, you know, y- you really want to approach it from the standpoint of you're not trying to let thoughts intrude, it's rather that you're just observing these thoughts going by. So you could imagine they're, you know, floating by mm-hmm. on a river, or maybe they're mm. clouds drifting by on the sky, and you just kind of see them. And then you let them drift right on by rather than sort of latching or attaching onto them or placing judgment on them. Mm, I like that. So yes, can you give us some tips on how to start with a meditation practice? Yes, I think for a lot of people, the breath is mm-hmm. often the easiest place to start because we all breathe, we all know how to breathe, right? Mm-hmm. And there's really no right or wrong way to breathe. Um, Eckhart Tolle says that it just takes one conscious breath to mm. attain that that patience and that focus. So, um, you know, you can begin with a, a focus on the breath and yoga that's referred to as dharana, a type of meditation where you have something to focus on. It could be a sound or um, it could be a walking meditation. But in this case, you might count with the breath, count the inhale and exhale. You might count, um, you might inhale and then count one and every exhale you count up to 10. Or it could involve sort of a three-part breath where you place your hand on your stomach, you feel this gentle lift of the belly when you inhale, and then moving the breath into the ribs. So the ribs separate slightly and then into the chest. So that's that diaphragmatic breath where we move from the belly to the ribs to the chest and then out the opposite direction. So all of that, again, there's no right or wrong way Mm -hmm. to breathe, but it's just a matter of that breath awareness because it's something that we do unconsciously, but we actually can do it consciously. And when we set that intention to become aware of it, we, we attain that focus and that stillness. And I have been doing that since your book. Because Great. here's the deal. I've been do- doing yoga off and on for a long time. My husband is much more into yoga than I am, believe okay. it or not. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I'd probably rather just do a strength class or a cardio or something, you know. Yoga yes. just seems to be a waste of time. <laughs> and, and not in a bad way, but, you know, like there, right. there's other better ways to fill my time. Right. And then in your uh-huh. book, I learned, number one, that whole breathing thing and um, one of the things that that really caught my attention was the fact that we can breathe and feel our breath in different places. And mm-hmm. when I have stress, it goes right up to my chest. Yes. So when I'm performing and stuff, this is where I feel my tension. So if I would redirect exactly. my breathing, my guess is I would be <laughs> a little bit better with my breathing. And so that was, That's- yeah, that was mind-blowing to me in some ways. Like, oh, yes, I can breathe in other places besides just <laughs> filling my chest up with air. 
That's right. That's the, called thoracic breathing when we're breathing up high in our chest. Mm -hmm. And in fact, there has been a lot of research on musicians that, and we've all felt it too, where we feel like either we're breathing really shallowly in our chest, mm -hmm. or some people even start to feel like they are hyperventilating, or they might even hold their breath. And so learning that awareness of the breath and practicing the deep breath regularly can really help us to have better control of it in a performance situation, which can be obviously a high stress situation. Oh, definitely. And then the other thing was that stretching actually builds your muscle strength. So That's here right. I am like trying to lift these weights. I'm like, <laughs> why am I just not stretching more? You know? <laughs> so uh, to me, your book, uh, what revealed a lot of the benefits that I had never heard before, because in a yoga class, they're just going to say, okay, find your mat, da, 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 you know? Um, so yeah. I, I've just been so happy with what I've learned from that book as far as yoga goes. And then you go deep dive into how to help our students with that same understanding of yoga. I think it's fa fascinating and so wonderful. Oh, thank you. Yes. So what you're referring to is the development of strength through yoga. And I think a lot of people do have this idea that yoga is all about flexibility. And so I've even heard people say, well, I can't do yoga because I'm just not flexible at all. I yeah. can barely reach my toes. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do feel that yoga is a very balancing practice. So for someone who is very flexible, they can work on building their strength and you can use isometric strengthening exercises like plank pose would be a perfect example of that, mm -hmm. where you're using your own body strength to build muscle. And then people who are stronger, um, you know, might need to increase their flexibility. So they might use different types of stretches for that technique. So let's dive into now as teachers, we're sold on the idea of yoga. Yes, we need some yes. form of yoga and it can be as easy as just practicing breathing, so to speak. And I like, yes. that. I like how you say you practice yoga, you know, Maybe that's what we should be saying. We practice our instruments. Why do we play our instruments, but we practice yoga? Is there a difference between the two, do you think? That's a really good point. And I think, you know, the idea of practice, I like, I really like this phrase, when you carry the practice, the practice will carry you. Oh. And I think that that's been true for me in my life as a musician. When I have had times of struggle, the piano is always something that I could go to mm -hmm. because I had done the consistent practice leading up to that. I was then able to use the piano oh. as an instrument to um, convey mood or to convey what I was feeling and to express that. And in the same way, you know, a prayer practice or a yoga practice, we we, it's a slow progress, right? It's not something that you can always see change right away. And I think the same is true for any instrument, you're not going to see immediate results, but it's kind of this trust in the process. Mm -hmm. And it's this consistent, diligent work that allows for this gradual improvement and this gradual understanding of the ways that you're growing, not only as a musician, or not only as a as a yogi, but also really as a person as well. Mm, I like the word process. That really is what mm -hmm. it is. And that struck a chord with me, pun intended, the <laughs> fact that really playing the piano is therapeutic for me. Yes. And it couldn't be if I was struggling to play it yet. So that is exactly. a very good point. I get it. Um, so for a long time, we do practice our instrument before we really start to play it. 
Right. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now let's go back to our students because we all know (laughs) that they have had a year of loss, all kinds of losses. And I'm eager to help them overcome some of those feelings. And I don't feel like I can project, you know, that much. I I can't help them. I'm not a therapist, but I can be a role model and I can also suggest things. And Mm -hmm. they're on the bench with me and they're being vulnerable because they're playing and now they've got a performance coming up. They're going to be putting themselves in front of other people. It's nice to have tools in my toolbox to help them release that, that anxiety or embrace the anxiety. So help us as teachers to help our students. Yes, this is a great point. I was just talking to my students the other day, and they were mentioning how it's really been a year since they've played in public for anyone. You know, even college students, their juries last spring and in the fall were recorded juries. So they haven't been playing live, and it's a completely different experience than Mm -hmm. recording. And I was talking with one of my performer wellness students who's been with me all semester, and she said, I did my flute recital yesterday, and it honestly was the best recital I've ever done. And the reason for that, I know, was because of the work that we've done in this class, where we've been doing yoga together, and we've been talking about some other mind-body techniques to help her prepare for performance. So in, in our work with our students, I think that we need to understand that these are, you know, I think there's this, we tend often as piano teachers to just see our students as pianists. And in fact, even when we talk about ourselves, I'll say, well, I'm a pianist rather than saying I'm someone who plays piano. So our whole identity is really Mm -hmm. based on um, our our work as pianists. But for our students, there's so much more that's going on in their lives beyond just what they do with the instrument. And we don't always know and we can't always find out what those other elements are. Certainly, we want to develop that strong relationship with the students so we can. But there are ways to work with students to help them to be become more vulnerable with you and to help them learn to affirm their own confidence and their own preparation and to learn to move their bodies in ways so that they develop this better body awareness. Um, you, You know, one really common thing, for instance, is that when we're holding stress, we tend to hold everything in really tightly. So we sort of clutch everything in and it's this, mm-hmm. this grasping or this bracing, this tendency to want to control leads to tension. And when our students are experiencing stress in any of their area of their lives, they're going to be bringing that into what they do at the piano. So in working with them on relaxation, we're helping them not just at the piano, and that certainly is going to reduce their um, potential for repetitive stress injuries and it's going to maybe allow them to express themselves with more freedom and have a more efficient technique. But then it also is going to have this profound impact on other areas of their life as well. And so I think that's really seeing the student as a whole person that is so meaningful. Breathe in for four. And out for eight. Ah, don't you feel better? <laughs> Dr. Leslie has schooled us on the importance of yoga. Yoga is a practical activity for anyone at any age. It integrates the body, mind, and soul. We've all been through a long pandemic tunnel and along the way encountered moments where some yoga poses, intentional breathing, and meditation breaks could have served us well. 
Leslie's book convinced me that yoga should be an essential part of my day and that my practice of yoga can benefit my teaching just as much as my practice at the piano. Now, long ago, I decided that I would never should on myself. So today, instead of saying I should do yoga, I say I will do yoga. At least integrate some intentional breathing into my daily routine. I encourage you to stay away from shooting yourself and jump on the yoga bandwagon too. Head to the show notes at lelavis.com slash key ideas to find links to Leslie's book, her site, and her yoga decks. And we'd love to hear how your yoga practice is coming along. I leave you with this quote found in Leslie's book. It's from a well-known yogi who I will credit in the show notes as I'm afraid my pronunciation may offend anyone who knows her. Here's the quote. Yoga is not about self-improvement. It's about self-acceptance. I'm Leela Viss, breathing with intention as I see you in the trenches. Thank you.